The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. And it won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And every secret deed and thought, every wrinkle, every spot will be in view. Before the one who knows all things, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, you know the one you never knew. While you have breath, you have a choice to make in life. Turn away from your sin and believe. On the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment That's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm shakes at the mention of his name he has power over life and death every knee will bow and tongue confess heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father will you bow will you Surrender to his majesty, he can save you from the might of all your sin. This is a fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath. You have a choice to make in life. Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come From the coming storm While you have breath 
You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm. He's the only shelter from the coming storm. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. How shall we prepare for the coming of the end? How shall we prepare for the great judgment? How shall we prepare for the end of the world? When I was in college many years ago, I worked for the director of the athletic department. His name was Jim Burns. Jim was a man of great wisdom and understanding. I directed the swimming pool for the college, but I also had to take a course from my boss, Jim Burns. And so I enrolled in tumbling. And in the tumbling class, we learned how to work the parallel bars, the beam, the horse. And then for our final grade, we had to prepare and practice for a tumbling routine, including rolls, jumps, various parts of what we had learned in this class. The day came for the final exam, and I was there at the head of the line waiting to do my routine performance. And Jim Burns came out of his office, and he found us all waiting in line for him to come. He walked up to me and he said, "Uh, Ray, I want you to go to the back of the line. Well, I was very downcast. I wanted to go first. But he put me at the back of the line. I didn't understand why. Finally, when everyone had gone through their routine and I was the only one left, for everyone left as soon as they finished their routine. He said to me, Ray, do you understand why I sent you to the back of the line? No, I don't. He said, Ray, I saw that you were all keyed up. You were tense. You would not have done well. 
Well, he was right. I was keyed up and I was tense. He said, now, I want you just to relax and smile. You know how to do this routine. You've done it many times. Yes, sir. And so I did the routine. (laughs) I received my A. I've learned so much through the years. Jesus did that same thing to me. I was going with such strength and power and building my ministry. And the Lord finally said to me, Ray, go to the end of the line. For me, that meant eventually losing everything, friends, family, all of my savings, my house, my car. I lost everything. I went to the end of the line. I lost the denomination I'd been raised in. I was at the end of the line, and today... I'm still at the end of the line. So, how do you prepare for the end of the world? Well, I'll tell you. You go to the end of the line. What do I mean by going to the end of the line? On this journey in this school of the Holy Spirit, the Lord Ask me a question. And it was audible. It was the Lord's voice, and I knew it. He asked me this question. Will you receive from my hand only that which I will give you? Without even thinking, I said, yes. Yes. And from that day forward, he has carried me faithfully. He's provided finances. He's provided all that he wanted me to have. Now, there have been times on this journey where I reached out my hand and took what I thought I wanted and it ended up in catastrophic loss, and it ended up causing me to once more be absolutely dumbfounded as I went to the end of the line. I want to tell you, it is at the end of the line where God can finally begin to work in us. And those of you, and I rejoice for you, who have enrolled in the school of the Holy Spirit. Times may seem very difficult financially, physically, with relationships. And you say, how will I survive this? Well, you ask that question because you thought you were making progress, and now suddenly you find yourself at the end of the line. 
Many years ago, I had a dream. And in the dream, I was standing in a church and I was preaching the gospel, but I could not see anyone in the congregation. I could occasionally hear a stirring, but I couldn't see anybody. And I know the Lord was telling me, as you're at the end of the line, I'm going to have you preach the gospel, but you're not going to see the people you're preaching to. I don't see you today. I wish I could, but I don't. I'm at the end of the line. I am nobody. I am the least of God's children. So again, I ask you the question, how shall we prepare for the end of the earth? Of the end of time as we know it. How shall we prepare for the great judgment bar of God that we must all stand before on that day? Well, the first step is to go to the end of the line. To receive only from the hand of God what he chooses to give to you. It means you stop reaching out for that next great job opportunity. It means you stop grabbing the car you want. It means you stop grabbing the house you want. You stop grabbing after the wife you think you want or the husband you think you want. You stop grabbing. Isaiah 50, 10 and 11 are very clear. That when you walk in the darkness and you have no light, not sin, but just dark, you don't know what way to go. Don't light your own torch. Don't turn on your own flashlight. Don't get your own lantern going so you think you can work out where you're supposed to go. No. Isaiah 50, 10 and 11 says, trust in the name of the Lord. That if you reach out and grab because you can, you will lie down in torment. As we come to the question today of how do we prepare for the end of the world? I have to take us to Matthew, the 24th chapter. Jesus was walking away from the temple And his disciples were much impressed by the beauty of the temple. And so they called his attention to that building. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Truly, I say to you, by no means may a stone be left here upon a stone that will not be thrown down. Well, the disciples couldn't understand what he was saying. They could not imagine the end of the world. And this would be for them, at that time, the end of their world. Jerusalem was the very center of their heart and their life. So he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came privately to him. They sat around him, and they said, Look, would you tell us when these things will be? And what is the sign of your coming? And when will the end of the age be? When will the end of the age 
Well, Jesus answers. And I want to, I want to be very clear with you. This is Matthew 24, verse 4. You must see to it that no man may lead you astray. Now, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. So, if you want to be prepared for the end of the age, Jesus' first instruction is, don't let yourself be deceived. Many are going to come and they're going to teach things that are not in the scriptures. Today, pastors are teaching many things that are not found in the scriptures. They're teaching that once you say, I accept Jesus, you're in. You're part of the family of God. You can't lose your salvation. One famous preacher even said, look, you can take the mark of the beast. If you're a father and you have a family to take care of, you can take the mark of the beast. It was John MacArthur in California. Because you're saved, you can't lose your salvation. Well, he was lying. He was deceiving the people of God. Others will say, you can never stop sinning. You're always going to be a sinner. Well, listen, if I'm always going to be a sinner, then I am utterly beaten down. I never consider myself saved. I never consider myself as a part of the kingdom of God. It's always poor me. Look at how bad I am. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or you go the other way and you say, hey, not to worry. I am covered by the blood of Jesus. When he looks at me, he doesn't see me. He just sees himself. Well, that's ridiculous too. You're deceived if you believe that. It's not what the scriptures teach. Now, how do you tell the difference between a counterfeit dollar bill and a genuine dollar bill? I was taught as a child, you can tell the difference between a counterfeit and the real deal, not by studying the counterfeit, but by studying the real dollar bill. And when the counterfeit comes into your hands, it's not going to feel right. It's not going to look right. You're going to know something is wrong. Well, the same is true here. Jesus is being very clear in saying to them, many are going to come in my name and they're going to claim that they have the truth. They will lead many astray. Now, you're going to have to read the scriptures. The way you prepare for the end of the world is to go to the end of the line, to humble your heart before God, to stop grabbing for what you think you want and need and put your entire trust in Jesus Christ. And then, as you put your trust in Jesus You will be reading the scriptures because he said, my body is real food. 
My blood is real drink. In other words, your dependence will grow increasingly so that Jesus is all you desire and all you want, and you will receive from his hand only what he wants to give you. And believe me, Jesus is a very generous God. He's a very kind Savior. He will not withhold from you. Now he goes on. You're destined to hear about wars and rumors of wars. You must see to it that you are not troubled. It is necessary for all of these things to come to pass, but the end is not yet. Oh, are we hearing about wars and rumors of wars all the time? The news is filled with the rumor that we're going to be hit with a nuclear missile. The news is filled with war talk. And this has been going on all of my life. In my early years, I went to hearings down on Capitol Hill while I was in college talking about the great threat of communism. Well, now, many of our leaders have become communist and sympathizers. Wars and rumors of wars. First and Second World War. The Korean War. Vietnamese War. Iraq War, Afghanistan, and continuing. I could list war after war after war. There are probably 20 wars going on around the world right now. You are destined to hear about wars and rumors of wars. You must see to it that you are not troubled It is necessary for all these things to come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will be raised against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famine. Famine is coming to America. Recession, depression, hunger is coming to America. It is here already. I just read an amazing statistic. 52% of American babies are on government welfare for nutrition support because mom and dad cannot afford to pay for the purchase of their babies' food and nutrition. That's mind-boggling. What's going on? There will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. So all these things are the beginning of great suffering. There will be great suffering in America. There's already great suffering. I just read another report of Nigeria where the people are hungry. See, most of Nigerians' food supplies comes out of the war zones. 
and their food supplies are being cut. They're not able to get their shipments. Now, people in Nigeria, radicals, these people are rising up and rioting. And what is the object of their rioting? Christian churches, they're burning them. Christians, they're searching for them and killing them. Nigeria is not a safe place for a Christian. And yet there are many brave Christians who are standing stalwart for the name of Jesus Christ and willing to lay their lives down to testify that Jesus is the Christ. They will receive from the hand of God only what he gives them. And if that's death, starvation, torture, whatever it is, okay. This is what Jesus says we must become if we're going to prepare for the end of the age, for the end of the world. It says at that time they will hand you over to tribulation and will kill you. You will be hated by all of the nations because of my name. This is going far beyond just the question of when will the end of Jerusalem come? Jesus is answering two questions. When is he coming? What's the sign of his coming? And when will Jerusalem be destroyed? Much of it applies to both. Some of it will apply only to Jerusalem, and some of it will apply in Matthew 24 only to the second coming of Jesus and the end of the age. Again, many false prophets will be raised up and will lead many astray. And because the lawlessness multiplied, the love of many will be extinguished. But the ones having endured to an end, this one will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole inhabited earth as a testimony to all the nations, and at that time the end will take place. This is not the gospel commission. People have said to me, Pastor, where in Scripture do you find that there will be a revival at the end of time? Matthew 24 Verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole inhabited earth as a testimony to all the nations, and at that time the end will take place. This is a going forth of the gospel at the end time. Now, if you look at Revelation 14, you will also find three angels, three messengers, who fly in midair and who announce that Babylon has fallen and announce the penalty for receiving the mark of the beast. And they come preaching the everlasting gospel. Now, when you look at Matthew 24, verse 15, he begins to speak about how they will know when Jerusalem is about to be destroyed. And it is said that no Christians were killed in the destruction of Jerusalem. This was a bitter point for many Jewish people later because Christians 
when they obeyed the signs that were given, they were delivered. And they did not die in that holocaust of Jerusalem being destroyed and burned by the Roman government, the Roman Empire. Now, at that time, if anyone, this is chapter 24, verse 23, at that time, if anyone may say to you, look, here is the Christ, or here, do not begin to believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will be raised up and show great signs and wonders, so as deceive, if possible, even the elect. Now, please, this is during a time of great tribulation, great turmoil. It's a time of great suffering, of uncertainty, when the electricity may not be on in your house anymore, when you may not be able to get the food you desire, when you may be cold or hungry or burning up with the heat of the sun. This is going to be a time of great trouble. And in the midst of that, prophets are going to come and they're going to say things to you and try to get you to follow them and they will be saying lies to you. I mean, right now, many prophets are saying America is a wonderful country and we are going to turn this around and we're going to have a wonderful deliverance and a And a time of wonderful prosperity is coming to America. And America once more will be a righteous nation. And we're going to send missionaries everywhere again. No, that simply is not according to Scripture. America is Babylon. And we have become exceedingly evil and wicked. Well, Pastor, what about Roe versus Wade being rejected? Great! That's a wonderful step in the right direction. But abortions will continue unabated. New York State is saying, look, you can come to New York and we'll pay your expenses to to kill your baby, to abort your baby. A woman, a, a leader I won't identify, speaking very boldly, publicly, saying, I never... I never felt bad about having an abortion. No, she didn't, but her baby did, dying in the anguish and pain of an abortion. Now he goes on. For the false Christs and false prophets will be raised up and show great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Pay attention. I've told you in advance. If they may tell you, look, he is in the desert, do not even think of going out to sea. Or look, in the inner rooms, do not begin to believe it. For just as lightning comes out from the east and is visible to the west, so also the coming of the Son of Man will be. Jesus is coming in a very public way. And we're told when he's coming. Not a date, but when. 
Notice verse 29. And immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give her light, and the stars or the asteroids will fall from the heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And at that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will moan, and they will see the Son of Man coming upon the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather his elect out of the four winds from the ends of the heavens unto the ends of them. In other words, at that point, He is coming publicly to gather his saints. That's what Jesus said. Now, some of you believe in a secret rapture. I have to tell you, I can't find it in the scriptures. I've listened to all of the arguments. I've read the books. I know what people say, but I can't find it. But you know what? I hope and pray it's true. There's nothing that would make my heart happier than for right now the sky to crack open and Jesus to come and call all of his saints to heaven. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm finished here. There's nothing in this world for me anymore. Oh, I love my brothers and sisters. I love those who walk with me in Jesus but there's nothing here for me anymore. I'm not attracted by the entertainment of the world. I'm not attracted by the the things of the world. I'm not attracted by stuff. I want Jesus. My eyes are on the Lord. He's the one I love. He's the one I want. I hope with all of my heart that there's a quick, simple gathering of God's people, and off we go to heaven. That would cause my heart to rejoice. But I have to tell you, I can't find it in the scriptures. Oh, you can interpret Thessalonians according to how you choose. You can bend the the rubber nose any way you choose. I'm going to go by what he says in Matthew 24. He's saying the heavens and the earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Now about the hour and the day, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven except the Father. But just as the days of Noah were, so it will be even in the coming of the Son of Man. For as they were in the days before the flood, eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered into the ark, and they knew not until the flood came and swept away every person, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. In other words, many will not be looking for Jesus. Many will not be looking for Jesus. They will be deceived. And they will be living their life as they have lived it year after year. And suddenly, in the midst of all of the tribulation and the trials 
suddenly Jesus will come. In Luke 21, nation will be raised up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. This is Luke 21, verse 11. And there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilence. And there will be fearful events and great signs from the heavens. So when we begin to see famine, do we see it now? Yes, in many nations. Will we see it soon in America? That's what the public news is saying. Mainstream news saying famine's coming, hunger's coming. Pestilence? Have we seen pestilence? Omicron? The vaccination? We haven't seen anything yet. It's coming even much stronger. Great earthquakes? Oh, if you look at an earthquake map, you will be terrified. There's been such an increase in earthquakes like never before in recorded history. Fearful events with great signs from heaven. No, we've not seen that yet. We've seen the blood moons. But we have not yet seen that, and we've not seen general worldwide persecution of Christians even though it's clear there is an increase, there is an increase in persecution of Christians, particularly in Muslim lands, but also coming in England and Germany and other nations of Europe and also coming in America. It's already here in America, but it's not violent like it will be when the authorities begin to throw Christians in jail and murder them. Now, I need to share another part of this. He said, you must see to it that you are not deceived. Wow, Luke is coming with the same message that Mark and that Matthew come with. Do not be deceived. That's the constant warning of Jesus through the entire New Testament. Don't be deceived. When you hear of wars, don't be alarmed. For these things must first take place. Nation will be raised up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. These are all the things that are happening now. Jesus is coming, brother. Jesus is coming for you, my sister. Famines, pestilence, fearful events. Now I want to read for you. Luke 21, verse 17 and 18. You will be hated by all because of my name. But a hair out of your head may by no means perish. You must gain your life for yourselves by your steadfastness. He's literally saying in the Greek, and this is clear in the Greek, it's not clear 
in the English translations. Let me read this for you uh, in the English translation, if I can find it for you quickly. Um, Here it is. In Luke 21, in the NIV, verse 19, by standing firm, you will gain life. That's a good translation of the Greek, but there's an even better translation and a literal translation, and that is, you must gain your life for yourselves. You must go out and do what I've asked you to do. I ask you to be steadfast by standing firm. Now, in the NIV, it also says, Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And that has happened. Now, there will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars. On earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea, meaning people are going to be terrified. Nations are going to be terrified. Civilians, by the wars and the rumors of wars, And men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Well, what are we talking about? Wormwood? Look in Revelation at wormwood. A star falls from heaven. That word star in the Greek? Asteroid. There will be a great asteroid strike upon the earth. And at that time, it says, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Verse 34, be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation. What is dissipation? Simplest definition, too much of a good thing. Giving yourself to things that in themselves may be innocent, but because you constantly are addicted to doing it, it is such a part of your life that you can't imagine not doing it. It's what gives you pleasure. Then it says drunkenness. Alcohol and other things that you become drunk on, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. Literally, get a hold of your mind so that your your spirit, your heart, your feelings will not be overwhelmed by all that's coming upon the world. 
for it comes, verse 35, for it will come upon those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. How do you face the end of the world? By no longer grabbing what you think you want. By going to the end of the line, you don't have to be somebody. Give up being somebody and be humble before Jesus. This day is coming. This last day of earth's history as we know it is coming like a trap and it will close unexpectedly. And it will happen to everyone who lives on the face of the earth. It will not just be Jerusalem. It will be the entire earth. And there will be great suffering. And you must be steadfast. Not give in. I got an email from a dear Christian sister. Suddenly her life has become very difficult financially. Life is hard for her right now. But she says, I'm going to be steadfast. I'm going to stand. I'm going to trust Jesus. She's on the right track. We don't have to be somebody. Jesus is already somebody. And now the question is, as all of this comes upon the world, will you watch and pray that you may be able to escape everything that's happening and that you may be fitted to stand before the Son of Man on that great day of judgment. Now, it's very clear. Jesus knows that he will soon go to the cross. He knows that the end of his life is approaching, that he will be tortured and spit upon, utterly disrespected. He's gone to the end of the line. And he's saying, we must do the same. We must receive from the hand of Jesus only what he chooses to give to us. And so our supplication is to Jesus. Our prayers are to Jesus. Our crying out is not to brothers and sisters. Our crying out is not to the neighborhood. Our crying out is to Jesus Christ. And our heart will then be filled with peace and joy. And by the spirit of the living God, who then equips us as we watch and as we pray to escape what's happening. And we are brought to stand before the Son of Man. That's such good news to me. And I have to ask you today, are you ready to stand before the Son of Man? Have you left your sin? Have you chosen to walk in holiness before Almighty God? I take you again over to 1 John. 
This is 1 John, the second chapter. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Well, there you have the answer. We must walk as Jesus walked. He went to the end of the line. He lifted up his heart to his father. He trusted in his father. Will you trust in Jesus in the place you are right now? Will you say, Jesus, I will only receive from your hand what you choose to give me. And I look for the coming of the Son of God. And then if you look with me at the third chapter, verse 6, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. Where does Jesus live? No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil's been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Do you understand? Don't be deceived. Only the righteous will enter into heaven. How do you become righteous? By completely giving yourself into the hands of Jesus and obeying whatever he asks you to do. And in your steadfastness, you will be saved. As you trust in Jesus, you will be saved. And there is in that trust such an overwhelming joy to know without question you can trust him and to know without question he will give to you what he sees that he wants to give you. So no matter what you go through, it doesn't really matter. Your physical condition He sees it. He sees what you need. He knows what you need. Is your heart filled with joy today? Are you free? Are you still living under condemnation as I shared with you yesterday in Romans, the 12th chapter? Now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of sin and death has been broken in my life. Has it been broken in yours? Are you walking clean, filled with joy, released to love and serve those around you? 
Do you belong to Jesus? Oh Lord, would you prepare us to stand before you? Would you equip us, Lord, with all that is necessary that we could come before you with praise and thanksgiving, with joy? For, Lord, you have not condemned us. It is the devil who condemns us. You have not accused us. It is the devil who accuses us. You have provided your love and your grace and your mercy. You've rescued us from the powers of darkness. You've washed us and cleansed us. Oh, Lord, I thank you. I praise and worship you, Jesus. Thank you, my Lord. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. Thank you. I hope this has been helpful to you. You can write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. It's one word, National Prayer Chapel.com. You can give online, and there are many resources available for you online. So go look at the webpage. Our dear brother Ed is the one who produces our webpage and keeps it up to date. Go look at what he's given. I think you'll be pleased. If you've not yet subscribed to this channel on YouTube, would you please do that? God bless you. I love you. But more than that, Jesus loves you. I'll talk to you soon. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ.